This is We Met You When, a new podcast by journalism students at Toronto Metropolitan University. We go back in time, dig up news stories from 2012, and track down the people in those stories. Okay, cool. I remember this article. Yeah? She referred to me as Burley in that article, I remember. Okay. <laughs> How do you feel about that? It's okay. <laughs> I've acquired a lot of different tools over time, and... Yeah, it's always a work in progress, though, to say you're fixed. Uh, I wasn't fixed then, and I'm definitely not fixed now, right? We want to know what happened after their names were in the news. It, I almost feel like the depression started to set in when I realized this is, I can't keep this up. So at that point, I also think I was running out of steam. But then a lot of the external pressure, I think I let it get to me internally. I was like, oh, I'm in the newspaper now. Now they're going to like, know who I am. And like, if I lose, they're going to, I don't remember the newspaper article or something. Some were children when they were interviewed. Others were adults. No one was in a position of power. But many of them felt the power a new story can have. It's definitely something where um, even working with online databases and even working back with friends and peers and colleagues, it's something always like, don't Google my full name, don't Google my last name. And sometimes some of the things that you said and the way they put it in, it doesn't sound like that's what you were saying. Do you know what I mean, right? And that's, to me, is scary, right? We're exploring the difference a decade makes and the difference we journalists can make going forward by first going back to 2012. I'm Kendra Segan. You're listening to We Met You When, Season 1. This is Giftedness, a Sticky Label. Oh my goodness, it was absolutely wild. Our homeroom teacher that taught our core subjects, it was the same 20-something students for the entirety of grades six, seven, and eight. You develop very strong and close relationships with these people. And I see the same people all day, every day in class for three years. But I just love being in a group, like a collective group of weirdos that just challenged each other and were super opinionated. My parents say this, so it's an objective truth in the world. And it's just this like adorable earnesty of how people experience the world. But everyone was so weird. My name is Cece Nemechek. Um, my pronouns are she, her. I'm just a human being that is super curious about the world. Cece is describing her time in middle school, 10 years ago. She was in a program for students identified as gifted. The school was called Donview Middle School. But when Cece was in grade eight, the name changed to Donview Middle Health and Wellness Academy. The new name came with a new focus on healthy living and personal wellness. In September of 2012, the Toronto Star published an article about the big change at Donview. And Cece was the one student featured in the story. It was the school principal who contacted Lori Nemechek Cece's mother. I guess she was indirectly chosen as, not the mascot of this new thing, right? But 
that's my understanding only because she's had challenges of situations in the past. By sharing that, I think it kind of gave us that face. So they felt that we were the best representatives. Lori says a Toronto Star reporter contacted her for a pre-interview over the phone. Cece remembers the day the star came to her school. So I didn't know what I was doing. I was told to get my gym shirt from my locker because I had to visually signify. They're like, oh, you go to the school because you're wearing your gym shirt. But because it was like a blue gym shirt, I bet you I'm wearing like blue cotton pants or something like that to make that outfit match. So I think I'm being super stylish and I think I'm being super cool because I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to be in a newspaper. And I was walking to a room with my principal, my mother, my homeroom grade eight teacher. I do not remember meeting the photographer and or reporter, but I just remember it being this very staged thing. And we're all just gonna walk down this hallway and look at each other and be candidly happy. Again, this is a decade ago. So I'm trying to be a figure that can understand that there are some parts of my memory that are not as competent as I would love them to be. Despite forgetting the little details, Cece does remember the big ones. What stayed with her is the article itself and the fact that it's still accessible online today. Just like you even contacting me saying, hey, just curious what you're up to now, but I found this article and it's even the fact that it exists. If you ever look for my name, this information is there. It doesn't permeate my day-to-day life where it's I'm in university or I'm at work. And I'm like, oh, there's an article about me that's super cringe from 2012. But it's something where I have been attentive to it. Ten years later, something about her part in the article still bugs Cece. Her time in school wasn't easy. And that experience was published. One of Cece's concerns is that the information in the article could be exploited by potential future employers. I was having this conversation with a friend the other day is any crazy corrupt workplace right now would read that article today and be like, oh yeah, we can exploit so much labor from this child because they're such a tryhard overachieving individual. So what did the article say anyway? I read some of it to Cece. So at the start of the article, it says the overachiever who's in the gifted program would stay awake into the wee hours, perfecting assignments, bury her head in books while her friends played and be crestfallen if she scored 100% on a test, but got the bonus question wrong. Her parents feared her growing anxiety would result in a nervous breakdown. The anecdote at the beginning is true. But then in the next paragraph, and this is what I really wanted to ask you about, it says, but teachers at Donview Middle School organized an intervention of sorts and made her understand the importance of achieving balance in her life. It worked. She started hanging around her friends again, got more shut-eye, and learned to manage the time spent on schoolwork. And her grades didn't suffer. I didn't realize it said intervention of sorts. Oh my goodness radical for a 12 year old the second paragraph where there was an intervention of sorts i don't believe that's true i think that was a conversation to say it worked you're cured you're free now you're healthy i think it's something where that's objectively not what happened all i can say is i would have reported 
and written on what was told to me at the time. I, you know, it's unfortunate that it doesn't capture how she truly felt, but I believe that at the time I would have written what was told to me at the time. My name is Isabel Teotonio, and I'm a reporter at the Toronto Star. Isabel Teotonio is the reporter who covered the story about CC School back in 2012. We tracked her down to get her perspective on that interview. But let's be clear. Cece is not saying Isabel got it wrong. What Cece is saying is that as a 12-year-old at the time of the interview, she felt pressure. She says she was in a room with three women in positions of power in her life. Mentors. Her mother, her teacher, and her principal. And Cece didn't want to disappoint them. So their presence affected her answers in the interview. Every person in a room, regardless what you say, affects the nature of that room and the nature of how safe that space feels within that room. So it's what's that interactive dynamic where I want to say this in front of this person, but I can't say that in front of other people. Even though Cece doesn't blame Isabel in her reporting, we wanted to find out more about Isabel's perspective. Like Cece, Isabel doesn't remember all the details from the interview. I don't remember the interview. When I look at the photo that's uh, online, I, I remember the photo, but I don't remember anything about that interview. Well, it was 10 years ago, and I've written hundreds of stories since, and I work at a daily newspaper. Uh, you know, we're constantly producing. Um, some stories stick with me, and some uh, I have vague recollections about. Um, I was at such a loss that I actually went through my inbox and it seems like I actually did go in there in person to do the interview based on my correspondence with the principal. But I, I have no recollection of the interview. I don't remember um, meeting Cece and her mom. I don't remember meeting the principal, but I, I, I think they were there. But I, I, I honestly have no recollection. Still, it bothers Isabel to hear how Cece feels about the article now. Um, I, I would have hoped that having her, her mom there and people that she trusted, like her teacher and the principal, would have put her at ease. I, I certainly never want anyone to feel pressured or stressed about doing an interview with me. What bothers Cece is how her own part in that article leaves the impression that the wellness program fixed her. So can you tell me a little bit more about what things happened post-Wellness Academy? Like what some of those new changes were specifically? I would love to, and their website could probably tell you, but I didn't feel any of those. I think a lot of us just thought of it as a title change or a sponsorship or a rebranding. It's the same thing as like the Sky Dome becoming the Rogers Center. Cece says in her grade eight year, when the article was published, she continued staying up late to work on assignments, worrying about her grades, and stressing about her applications to specialty high school programs. And she says that was a balanced year. It's a nice temporary mindset. If you watch a motivational video or you see a movie or you read a book, your life has changed and you have an enlightened perspective for like 30 seconds of your life. And you're like, yeah, cool. This is awesome. I'm going to change the way that I see the world. Then you wake up the next day and it's like, oh, it's the same. It's almost nerve wracking to think of the power news coverage can have. One retweet, one photo, one article online can forever be attached to your name. At age 12, there was no way Cece could have foreseen how a story on Dawnview's health and wellness program would affect her 10 years later. 
but your critical thinking skills don't evaluate the two and two together. This is being put into public archive as information that depicts me as a figure who has all of these things that I'm personally experiencing in relation to my performance. Cece worries about the publication of her gifted experience. But what does it actually mean to be gifted? There's, there's a million definitions. For some people, it's an IQ over 140. For some people, uh, it's a special quality of the person they're born with this gift that makes them just naturally amazing. I'm Donna Matthews. I'm a developmental psychologist. My, my career has focused primarily on giftedness, gifted education, gifted development. You'll hear in my language that I'm saying, I'm not calling them gifted kids, but I call them kids identified as gifted, or kids showing evidence of having gifted learning needs. Giftedness is the condition where a child needs special educational adaptations to the curriculum that's normally given. They're exceptionally advanced in one subject area or another compared to other kids at their grade level. While the gifted program at Donview gave CC lifelong friends and memories, there was more to the experience. CC says students identified as gifted are often expected to live up to their potential. And that's a pressure in and of itself. And it's something even to think of, oh, 70s even exist as a number in gifted? Crazy talk. Because anything that's not an A doesn't exist as a letter grade. It's this way of being and way of living in the world that feeds into itself because you're in this very competitive, very elitist community within itself. But simultaneously, it's a good thing because it's pushing you to work harder to realize that potential. For most kids, it's not easy and almost guaranteed that they'll be top of their class. Kids identified as gifted, it usually is. So that might feel good, but that comes with a price because as time goes by, you will meet kids just as smart as you. And they're not used to that. They've never gotten a B in their life. There's so much mentally that you have to go through where you're socialized to think that, oh, I'm smart enough to navigate this. I'm good enough to do this because you had the tools. But then we all hit these walls at different parts of our lives. Remember how Cece was applying to specialty high school programs? Well, she didn't get into one of them. And for her, that was hitting a wall. That's why it bothers her that the article said the intervention of sorts worked. I've acquired a lot of different tools over time. It's always a work in progress, though, to say you're fixed. I wasn't fixed then, and I'm definitely not fixed now. As journalism students, it's startling to realize how deeply the stories we cover can affect the people within them. And yet, we may not even remember these stories down the road. We also can never be sure about how our reporting will affect our interviewees. Isabel told us that over the years, her approach to interviews, especially with kids, has evolved. You know, one always learns from their experiences as a reporter. So I feel like with the advent of the internet, I'm, I'm more cautious and aware of including details and stories, even though someone has told them to me and they're comfortable with my writing about them, I I do think about will this person 
feel comfortable seeing this years down the line because these stories will live on uh, online. So I do think about that a lot. And sometimes I will not include certain details in a story because I just think it's uh, not key to the story and it's not something that I think this person will want searchable. You know, there's a responsibility on my end to capture that, um, capture what they've told me fairly, um, truthfully, and to be aware of how a story can live online. And I certainly don't want anyone to, I don't want it to hurt someone in the future. Cece is very aware that that old article is still online. Even working with online databases and even working back with friends and peers and colleagues, it's something always like, don't Google my full name, don't Google my last name, because you're going to see some intimate details of how I conduct myself as a person that I may not want to be publicly accessible. At first, when we contacted Isabel, she couldn't remember Cece's story. But now, she won't forget it. You know, hearing about this experience, I will be mindful next time. You know, when there is a kid that I'm interviewing, even if, you know, they're surrounded by adults in their lives who they feel comfortable with, hearing Cece's experience has really made me realize that I don't want a kid to feel like they are saying something that they want the adults in the room to hear. It's eye-opening for me to hear about Cece's experience and hear about it from now as an adult, looking back on what that experience was like. Yeah, I mean, we don't typically as reporters get this sort of feedback from people we've interviewed years and years down the line and how it impacted them. So it's, it's been an education for me. So I appreciate it. The power we hold as journalists should never be underestimated. Our work can affect people in the moment and years down the line. And in producing this podcast, even we had to heavily consider how the power we hold covering Cece's story again might affect her. We are trying our best to accurately share her story so she doesn't regret our interviews down the road, but we can't know for sure how she'll feel in the future. Cece's current perspective on that 2012 article didn't come to her overnight. It grew and developed over the years, just like she did. Though she's busy enough not to think about the article most days, it does occasionally pop up in her life. Now a blossoming young adult, Cece is still drawing conclusions about her gifted identity, Donview's health and wellness program, and her 15 minutes of Toronto Star fame. Where do you think you are in terms of wellness now in relation to 10 years ago? Oh my gosh, one super nostalgic question, just in general. Oh my goodness. I feel like at the time, it was a work in progress towards specific goals. And now my wellness is a work in progress towards completely other goals. We Met You When is a production by students from Journalism at the Creative School, Toronto Metropolitan University. This episode was produced by Sale Forster, Carolina Pucciarelli, and me, Kendra Segan. Sherry OKK is our executive producer and professor. Angela Glover is our director of audio production. Lindsay Hanna is our web design specialist. Additional sound design by L. Laws and Curtis Martin. I'm your host, Kendra Segan. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>